everybody, this is Rich Sports Talk, broadcasting on SoundCloud, TuneIn Speaker, and available for download on Apple Podcasts, and available for download on iTunes. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Remember, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can reach out to us on Twitter at the handle Rich Sports Talk, or on Gmail, richsportstalk at gmail.com. And I got a couple emails yesterday on Thanksgiving, and I wanted to give some thoughts, and I've had, I got a couple questions from some viewers saying, what were your thoughts about the Thanksgiving Day games yesterday? Because we had three great games yesterday. And two things really stood out to me about Thanksgiving Day yesterday. You saw two tales yesterday. And it was kind of funny because I looked at a lot of these teams, and there's a lot of similarities between the winners and a lot of similarities between the losers. And here are the two big things that I noticed yesterday and it applies to the NFL today. Number one, fortune favors the aggressive teams. Now, what do I mean by aggressive? I mean the teams that are aggressive in acquiring talent, that take risks. Those teams, if you notice, were rewarded yesterday. The Chicago Bears traded multiple picks to get Khalil Mack before the season, they have one of the best defenses in football and now currently sit comfortably on top of the NFC North at an 8-3 and record. The Dallas Cowboys. A couple weeks ago, everyone was mocking them. Oh, they gave up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. What is Jerry Jones thinking? Has he gone senile? He's trading this for a number one pick for Amari Cooper. Uh, since that trade, Dallas has won three games in a row, and they now lead the NFC East, and Amari Cooper looks reborn, and they're already talking about an extension for Amari Cooper. And the New Orleans Saints. Now, yes, I understand that they're aggressive in their play calling, and they have a lot of aggressive uh, decisions on the offensive side of the ball, but that front office, they've been aggressive. Look what they've done in recent leagues. They've gone out and signed Des Bryant and brought in Brandon Marshall. They're constantly looking to add pieces they added a backup third-string quarterback who's become the ultimate X-factor on their team, returning punts, running the Wildcat, being a wide receiver tight end, and can do just about everything. And, oh, by the way, this was a team, if you remember, they traded to move up in the draft to get a pass rusher, and they've traded picks to get Teddy Bridgewater to back up, Drew Brees in case there's an injury, and, oh, yes, they traded a draft pick to get cornerback Eli Apple, from the New York Giants and now are 10-1 and and to me the only team legitimately in the NFC that can beat the Los Angeles Rams. Then you look on the other side of the ball. Not aggressive teams. You had Detroit, a team that traded away arguably one of their best receivers in Golden Tate for draft picks. When it seemed like they were going to be aggressive after acquiring Damon Harrison, the defensive tackle from the New York Giants. They were conservative. They haven't gone out and given Matthew Stafford great pieces on offense. And I understand he used to have Calvin Johnson. They do have some decent receivers. But it took until this year to finally have a Detroit running back rush over for 100 yards. And it looks like Carrion Johnson, while is a nice piece, probably isn't going to be a top five back in the NFL. He could potentially be, but at this moment, my money is against that. They haven't been aggressive in keeping town like Indominus Sue. They're not an aggressive front office. Very conservative. You go to the Washington Redskins. 
a team that is usually known for being aggressive in the free agency market, a little bit more conservative. Of all the three losing teams yesterday, I will say Washington and the front office is a little bit more aggressive. But this team, when they lost their quarterback in a tough situation, they went out and they signed Mark Sanchez. And instead of trying to trade up and get a young quarterback to develop for the next 10, 15 years, they went out and spent big bucks on Alex Smith, who I really like and I think is a capable quarterback. But there's a reason why Kansas City moved off him and a reason San Francisco moved off him. He's limited in what he can do. And finally, you have the Atlanta Falcons, the team that is not aggressive in the front office, a team that just has sat pat the last few years, even though they were in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They're saying, well, we got, good, we got a good offense. When they were good, they traded up aggressively to get Julio Jones, who's emerged as one of the best receivers. Last couple of years, they've gone, they've just held back, saying, oh, well, we have a good team. We have a good team. You know, we have a lot of great talent on the offense. We don't have to be super aggressive in the free agency market. We don't have to be aggressive in the draft, trading up to get talent. Uh, their division, the Saints, have blown past them in terms of talent on both offense and defense. And I would make the case today that Carolina is a better overall talent than they are on defense and offense combined. So right now, Atlanta is the third team in this division, just a couple years removed from being in the Super Bowl. Here's the other thing I noticed in yesterday's game, and I think we've all noticed it this year, but I'm going to reemphasize it again. The offense matters. We saw it in that Monday night game where we saw the two best offenses go at it and two of the best offensive minds in the sport, and it was pure entertainment. But yesterday we saw the difference between having a great offensive coach and being limited by an offensive coach. I'll go game by game. The first game, Chicago. They lose Mitch Trubisky on Sunday night and have the shortest turnaround I've ever seen for a Thanksgiving game. Think about this. They played Sunday night. They had less than 80 hours to go on the road with a backup quarterback that hasn't played in three years. And yet Matt Nagy made Chase Daniel look competent and more effective than Matthew Stafford. And I understand the Bears do have a lot of very good offensive weapons. But Matt Nagy is a very good offensive coordinator and had to throw a game plan together in just a couple of days for a backup quarterback. May I remind you that hasn't played in a few years and started a couple games. I believe it was three years. It could be four. And he's been with four organizations in the last five years. And they went on the road on Thanksgiving and beat Detroit. Now you look at Detroit. Matt Patricia. Good defensive coach, but limited offensively. The Lions offensively have not been good. Do you remember that Monday night game when the Jets, who are 3-7, and seven, their defense ran over this team, and they were saying after the game, well, their signs were easy to pick up. They weren't creative. We were able to pick them up very easily. There's no creativity with that Detroit offense. And like I said earlier, they haven't been aggressive in getting pieces for Matthew Stafford. And when it's all said and done, I think Matthew Stafford will have a very interesting career because talent-wise, I do believe he is one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the game of football. And yes, he has those great statistics, but when it's all said and done, he's going to have played for an organization that didn't surround him with great offensive and defensive pieces, but more importantly, he did not surround him with a great offensive coaching staff. 
They keep going defensively in a division where you have to now compete with the Bears offense, which is highly creative and might not be as talented in terms of quarterback. Now they have to deal with Kirk Cousins and a loaded offensive talented team in Minnesota. And oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers up in Green Bay. And right now they're offensively limited because of Patricia. They are limited offensively. I'm going to remind you this. Detroit had the better quarterback at home against a backup quarterback on the road with less than four days. And I know both teams had less than four days to prepare, but they had to install a new game plan or work over a new game plan with a backup quarterback in less than four days. If I was to tell you in any other circumstance, if a team had a legitimate franchise quarterback at home against a backup quarterback that hasn't started a game in a couple of years, you think, oh, that, that home team should be highly favored. They should easily win that game. Didn't happen yesterday. And I know the Bears defense made a lot of great plays in that game, but a lot of it's due to that offense. It's predictable. Detroit's offense is predictable, which makes it easier for the defense. And despite being limited, that Chicago's Bears offense performed highly on Thanksgiving Day in front of the country. That gets me to the next team on my list in the next game, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, while you don't see a great offensive genius out there, you did see the impact of having a good offensive player added to your team. Amari Cooper has given the Dallas Cowboys a legitimate number one receiver. It means that teams can't put nine guys in the box to stop Ezekiel Elliott. And what does that mean? It means that Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott have more running lanes and making them more effective. And Amari Cooper, a burner on the outside, can take advantage of their running game and play action pass down the field. But when I talked about great offensive game plans, the biggest area that stood out to me was on the night game with New Orleans. Man, New Orleans, they are fun to watch because you never know what they're going to do. They have so many formations. They have so many personnel packages that they can roll out with. This, the Rams right now are in the, in the Chiefs are the talks of the leagues in terms of offense. But the Saints, I think, are the most well-balanced attack in the NFL because of how they can beat you in so many different ways. They can beat you through the air. They can beat you on the ground. They can beat you in the short game, the middle game, and the deep game. They can beat you in all aspects, and they can throw any different package at you. They are a fun team to watch. They are highly creative, and they've put in a game plan where they've taken a lot of pressure off of Drew Brees. They've added a great running game, which has given him better windows and he's an accurate passer. He doesn't have the army used to. But with the timing that he knows and his understanding of defenses, he can manipulate defenses and move the football. That New Orleans team is great. And we've seen this with New Orleans time and time again with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. When you have a great offensive coach and a great offensive quarterback, you are going to be relevant for a long time like the Saints have. And right now, it's fun to be in New Orleans. They are highly creative. They are doing packages and 
One great article I would highly recommend is Peter King's Football Morning in America, where he went into the Saints pregame before last Sunday's game. How they would meet in the ballroom in New Orleans and basically would go over plays. And Sean Payne would go to Drew Brees and say, give me the 25 to 50 plays you want to run, and we will make it happen. And that's exactly what they did. New Orleans is fun. But for any team that is looking to hire a new head coach in today's game, I understand the importance of defense and having a great defensive mind. But unless you have a legitimate franchise quarterback, who in my opinion is a top 5 to 10 quarterback in this league and you know it, you need to find an offensive guy that is going to elevate his game. You don't think those quarterbacks yesterday that are on teams that are limited offensively, they weren't attracted by what they saw? Great offenses. Even with better personnel, and I understand the personnel argument, but creative offenses that had motion, that were moving people around, had fun formations, they weren't giving the same looks, and that were confusing defenses. You don't think some of these young quarterbacks, like Sam Darnold for the Jets, was looking at yesterday and going, man, I I like Todd Bowles. He's a great defensive coach, but I would love to have an offensive guy that could elevate my game like that. You don't think a lot of general managers where their offenses are struggling this year with young quarterbacks, teams that drafted quarterbacks in the first round last year and that could potentially be drafting this year, you don't think a lot of those owners and quarterbacks were looking at their head coaches and saying, you might know defense, but how are you helping me? How are you helping our offense evolve as this game continues to evolve? You don't think the New York Jets were thinking yesterday, man, we need an offensive coach to help Sam Darnold develop. You don't think that in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield looking back and saying, man, we have a lot of great personnel. We could be doing some of these packages. We could be very creative and help me and the Browns develop into a great offense next year. So I will say this. If you are in the market for a head coach, there's a lot of great head coaches. But we saw it yesterday. Dan Quinn is a very good head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. But what happened with the Falcons yesterday? They had trouble moving the football, and especially in the red zone. What does it mean when you get in the end zone? It's about execution. It's about creativity. One thing that a lot of people may not realize, Julio Jones hasn't scored a touchdown this year. They haven't been able to devise a game plan or a place to say, hey, in the red zone, maybe we should get Julio Jones the football. You know, he's only a top three receiver in this game, but we, we should probably try to get the football in his hand. You saw it yesterday, and I understand that there were fumbles and turnovers, but there's a lot of times the Falcons, they move the ball. They move the ball in between the 20s, but once they got inside the 20s, had a lot of trouble. And you know what that is? It's creativity and it's precision. And Quinn's a very good head coach, but he's a defensive guy. He was the defensive coordinator from Seattle. And look, he's done a great job with that Atlanta defense especially with all the injuries they've had this year. 
But what has happened over the last two years? Matt Ryan hasn't played as well. And you know why? Kyle Shanahan. The year they went to the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. Now he's in San Francisco. And even look at what they're doing in San Francisco. You look at the record right now. It's not good. But even without Jimmy Garoppolo, even with a throwaway quarterback, San Francisco's offense is innovative and it's interesting. They're one of the few teams right now that are out of the playoffs, but I want to see what they do because they are innovative and creative with how they run their offenses with the limited pieces that they have. And you've seen the impact since leaving what it's had on Matt Ryan. He has not been the same. He's been more Andy Dalton than Aaron Rodgers over the last two years. He's been a good quarterback. He hasn't been great. You look at the stat. He's a great statistical quarterback. He's great in fantasy. He's a great fantasy quarterback. Everyone's going to be arguing with me. Well, he's great in fantasy. He gets me all these fantasy points. But he's not the big-time quarterback that Atlanta needs right now. I would make the case he's the third quarterback in that division because Cam Newton, over this past year, has grown as a passer. He's never been more efficient as a passer and a better thrower. He stayed in the pocket more. And, oh, why is that? Well, they got a great offensive coordinator for Cam Newton. The importance of offense in today's game with the rule changes and with the growing importance of offense in this game, if you are looking for a head coach, and there's going to be four to six teams that are going to be looking, and I've already started the process, you want to look for a creative offensive guy. You want an offensive guy to develop your quarterback or get the best out of him. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is a great quarterback. But Nagy has developed a game plan to take advantage of his skill set, his mobility, his play action ability. I don't think Trubisky's ever going to be a top 10 quarterback in this league. But Matt Nagy has put him in a system where he can be successful. If you have a young quarterback, or you're going to draft a young quarterback, you need to get a guy that will maximize his skill set because it's all about the quarterback. We saw teams yesterday when you do not have a quarterback, like Washington with Colt McCoy, it's brutal to watch. It's hard to watch. It's hard to function. But if you can get one of these great, and I know they're limited, but if you can find a great offensive coach, he can make maximize your team. Look at what Shanahan has done in San Francisco, maximizing that talent with Nick Mullins under center. Look at yesterday, what Nagy did with Chase Daniel and how they were able to win that game with him, how he was able to be creative, get him outside the pocket, move him, get him running the football as a quarterback. Thanksgiving yesterday, there was a lot of things to be thankful for. And for the three winners yesterday, they're thankful for two things, that they were aggressive in acquiring talent, and more importantly, especially in Chicago, and New Orleans, that they have a great offensive-minded head coach that maximizes not only the offensive roster, but the quarterbacks they have. 
That's going to do it for this episode of Rich Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Going to have a lot coming up after week 12 in the NFL season. We're going to be doing our hot seat updater again. Which top five coaches do I think are going to be on the hot seat? Hot seat is heating up, baby, because we're getting to the tail end of the season and we're kind of already getting the sense of what teams are going to be moving on from their head coaches. So I will get to that next week. So don't miss our hot seat special and an update on that. And of course, we're starting to get into the draft season. So if you're a big NFL draft fan, make sure to stay by. We're going to start doing some mock drafts now. I'm going to try something. I'm going to do my top five or top ten. Haven't decided yet. It's a work in progress based on where these teams are. I don't think it's I should do a 32-team or a full mock draft until the playoffs are over. But we're starting to see who's going to be in that top five range. And I can also give you, with those mock drafts, what teams could be aggressive in trying to move up to get a quarterback in the upcoming draft. So make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss any of our latest content. Remember to like and subscribe on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spreaker, and on iTunes. But until next time, I'm Nolan Rich from Rich Sports Talk.